here or right now, this is the moment God has created all of us for movement, that he by his spirit may keep the momentum, that we may be able to enjoy the moment. But enjoying that moment, we don't get stuck there because God wants us to continue to move. So this is the day, this is the year, this is the time right now where God will put his vengeance on those who have been in justice towards others. God will bring his favor to us, giving us ability to do something that we cannot do, giving us unmerited favor. So, Father, we love you, and we bless you. And, Lord, we ask that you would comfort those who have lost loved ones around the world, especially in Paris, and that, God, those who are responsible, you would bring to justice, because that's who you are. You're a loving God. You're a kind God. But you're also a God of truth. And you're a God of justice. You're merciful. And it's according to your grace, Father, and your loving kindness that we're here today. In Jesus' precious name, everybody said, amen and amen. You may be seated. It's so good to have you here this morning. It really is. And I, and I know as, as we think about the occurrences around the world today and lives that have been taken in such, uh, tragic ways, we, we do pray for God's grace for those in Paris and, and people who are suffering from that and that we trust that our Father really will solve that situation because, you know, nothing escaped God's eye. He is still in control. He is still on the throne. Amen, people? He's still on the throne. And so here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to just jump right into the Word because uh, there are some things today that I believe that God wants to do and he wants to do it with you. Now, I do want you all to know that I showered this morning. I probably... I'm I'll, I'll prob- promise I won't spit on you anything. So, so you know, we got the first three rows here. That's okay. That's no problem. But I just want y'all to know, you know, you can move up front if you want to. You don't have to. But what we're going to do is jump right into the Word today. We're going to jump right into that Word. So if you have your Bible with you, I want you to turn to Haggai. We're going to be in the second chapter. We're going to be looking at chapter, verse 3, 4, and 5. Because there is a Word for you today. There's a Word that God wants to deal with you today on. And all He's asking you to do is to receive respond to it because there's something he's getting ready to deposit in you. So we're going to read this and last week uh, Pastor Alex did such a great job of giving you history concerning what was happening with the people that God had taken them out of exile because he had took them into exile, and because of that now, he's got them doing some work. He's got them rebuilding the temple, but he's got something to say to them. Now, what he says to them, he is saying to us. He's saying this to you today. So you need to get ready for it. You need to get ready to respond to it, because there's something on it for you this morning. So if you will, will you turn with me to Haggai, and we're going to read here the second chapter, verses 3. Uh, four uh, and five. Let me make sure I get uh, able to see here in just a minute. So here is what it says, starting with verse three. It says, now, who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? How do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? But now... Take courage, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Take courage also, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak. 
the high priest, and all of you people of the land, take courage, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, as for the promise which I made to you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear. What a powerful word for us today. Now, Pastor Alex did a good job the last couple of weeks of of talking about why the Lord had taken this prophet Haggai and he had to speak to a people. And he did a good job of bringing the history along. And what it, what I remember most uh, about the message, it had a lot to do with uh, I find myself at times doing funerals, and especially when I do funerals of people who know Jesus. And, and there's a statement sometimes when you're getting all that together, and somebody may come and say to you, you know what, man, we 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 we, we, we want to mourn with you in your loss. And this is what I say to them: How can something be lost when you know where to find it? How can it be? Because I know where those people are. Those people are hanging out in heaven. Those people are hanging out with God. They are in paradise awaiting for this new Jerusalem. So if you know where something is, it's not lost. So what we're going to talk about today are these two words that are going to be, what I would say, applicable for you. You know what the words are? Take courage. Now, what do we mean by taking courage? There's not a single person in this room at some point who haven't been blindsided by something. Well, well, somehow something hits you and it takes the wind out of you. And somehow you find yourself not as excited as you were because all of a sudden something hits you and life just changes all of a sudden. And guess what it does? It poo-poos your faith or somehow it snaps out your courage. Well, God is trying to say something to these people when he says take courage now let's make sure we understand what he's saying here today so I'm going to ask you to just bear with me for a moment because we're going to look at the two words first now when it says take something here is what takes mean take means this all you got to do is look at the dictionary you don't have to do it today I'll do that for you here it is it says take the word take means to use the strength provided by God to capture and to gain something by force. We're going to say it again. That basically means this, is that to use the strength provided by God to capture and gain something by force. And I will say this to you this morning before we go any further. You have not lost your courage. Now, you may be courageous in one thing, but you may not be courageous in another thing. And God wants to take that other thing and make it courageous to you. So God is saying, take it. It is yours. You have not lost it. All you got to do is take it up again because you've allowed something to happen to you to rob it from you. Or, or, do, do you hear me at all this morning, church? I just want to make sure we got some people in here today, okay? So I want you to understand something. So you got to take it. You got to take it. And take it because God has provided you the strength to take it by force. Why? Because it's yours. Second thing you look at. Now, what does the word courage mean? To have courage. Now, I will guarantee you, before this day is over with, you're going to have to have courage to do something. And what we're going to do today is allow the Spirit of God to give it to you before you leave. But what is courage? Here's courage. Here's how you explain courage. Courage is the strength to act on one's belief in spite, watch this, of pain 
and fear. Here we go with character, conviction, conviction, and confidence. We're going to say it again. Courage is the strength. Notice that courage and take both have strength in it. It says it is the strength to act on one's belief in spite of pain, in spite of fear, with character, conviction, and confidence. Now let me say this to you, ladies and gentlemen. That's laying in you right now. Right now. And God, before you leave here today, is going to stir it up. You just need to get ready for it. He's going to stir it up because he lives in you. You got to go confront somebody. It could be a wife. It could be a husband. It could be an employee. It could be that little boy inside of you men. It could be that little girl inside of you women. But you got to confront it because it's time to take the courage back. It's time. Now, now it's important for you to understand how this is laid out. Because eventually what I'm going to do is come back to these scriptures, but I want to show you, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the purpose of the message now, early, right now, so you can piece it together. Now let me say this to you as a believer, right now, I'm going to say this to you. Now I just want to read it, and then I'm going to tell you three things. Now I don't preach a three-part message, just that we got three scriptures, and I'm going to let you see what the three scriptures are. Because sometimes there's a ten-part message, you know what I mean? But today is just three. So here's what it says, godly people... Are developed and tested by opposition. You're gonna have opposition in your life. You're going to, you're gonna have turbulence in your life. Don't you like flying on the plane and all of a sudden you get turbulence? Say, come on turbulence, come on man, you ain't gonna scare me. Get the bump a little bit, get the bump. You're gonna have the turbulence, it's there. Now, godly people are developed and tested by opposition and must be, watch this, more committed to courage and character, watch this, than comfort. See, look here, we live in a comfort society, man. We throw pills at it. We throw money at it. We throw all kind of stuff at it because we want to be comfortable. And God is saying as a believer, I'm going to use opposition. That's why he wrote the book of James, man. Count it all joy. Now let me tell you something. I will deal with James in heaven when I see him. Now how in the world do you want me to count it all joy when I'm going through all these trials? And then God gives me the answer because it's just a testing of your faith. That's all it is. So it can produce something. You know what they call it? Endurance. You know how to endure? You endure. (laughs) You just got to get through it. But look what he's saying. And we're going to, I'm going to share with you three things right quick. And look here, if you got a pen and pencil, you need to write these down. Because we're going to come back and show it to you in verse 3. We're going to show it to you in verse 4. And we're going to show it to you in verse 5. Okay? So if godly people need to realize that through opposition, they're going to be tested because they need to be more confident and encouraged instead of trying to find Comfort. Now let me say this to you. He is the comforter and he'll bring comfort in the midst of strain. He will bring comfort in the midst of stress. He will bring comfort in the midst of resistance. He'll do it. But let me just tell you what these three things are. One of the first things you're going to hear in verse 3 is this. Do not leave character. Stay in Character number one. So no matter what happens to you, stay in character. That's number one. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I have, I've, I've, I've done some operettas in my young life growing up as a junior high and, and elementary school. God, we did it every year. And what they would tell you when you would take on a particular role, they would tell you no matter what happens in the play, I don't care, man, if one of the lights fall on the stage, do not break character. God is saying no matter what hits you, no matter what blindsides you, number one, do not get out of character. Do you hear me, church? That's number one. And a lot of times we get out of character because we throw so much stuff at it. Some, so sometimes we get hit, we get blindsided, we can't handle things, we get afraid, we start letting stuff start taking over, whatever it is, and God says, I don't care what happens to you. Do not get out of character. You are my daughter. You are my son. You are my children. You are kings and queens. You are high priests. You are believers. Don't leave that. Did you hear that, church? Don't leave it. Now, the second thing he's going to tell you, not only that he wants you to stay in character, you know the thing he wants you to do? He wants you to be conviction-driven. See, because you and I live in a feeling-oriented society. Because if it feels bad, then it's uncomfortable. And now it's uncomfortable. You know what? You really made me uncomfortable. I'm offended, so I'm going to sue you. That's where you live today. And, 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 And nobody's driven by principle anymore. Everybody's driven by feelings. God says, look, I want you to understand something. Not only do I not want you to break character, but I want you to be principle driven. And you need to take your feelings and reconcile them to the truth. Are you hear me? Your feelings should not determine who you are or guide you where you are. Your thinking should not do it. Principle should do it. So Haggai is being used of God to speak to these people because God wants them to be driven by principles. And conviction. Now, if the first thing is don't lose character or don't uh, get out of character, and the second thing is to be uh, uh, driven by conviction, now here's the third thing. Third thing is this. Know where the source of your confidence comes from. See, your source of confidence do not come from your job. It does not come from your marriage. It does not come from money. It does not come from people. You know where it comes from? It comes from God and God alone. That is your rock. Now, you build your marriage on that rock. You build your company on that rock. You build your relationship on that rock. But your confidence is not based on how much money you've got. Your confidence is not based upon who you married to. Your confidence is based upon the God who put confidence in you the day you were created. Because you can see that confidence because the first thing he told Adam and Eve after he said it's okay to get together and have kids, he said, go. So you got confidence. So know where the source of your confidence comes from. And God is saying, be what? Conviction driven and stay in character. Stay in character. Now why is this so important to you? Well, let's jump over to Joshua. Then we're going to come back and we're going to take those three scriptures I just read to you. Pastor Alex did a good job in chat in verse three. In, in, in chapter 2, and we're going to use that as the beginning. He kind of closed it out yet last week on that. But let's jump over to Joshua. <laughs> and, and what we're going to do is we're going to look at Joshua 1, 
And we're going to look at verses 5 through 9. Church, are you here this morning? I just want you to know, it's kind of a little cold in here, babe. We need to warm it up. We need to warm it up. Because let me tell you something, man. This message is for you. It really is. Because see, after the message is over with, God is going to ask you something. And he's going to ask you to step into it. Now watch this. He says, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now, you need to understand why he is saying this. Now, because, see, Moses is dead. Moses is dead. Now, there's a new era. And it's time for Joshua to step across the river. Why? Because God has sent them into a place uh, called Egypt. There's some 2.5 million people. And all of a sudden, they become slaves to something. God raises up Moses. Moses moves forward. And here's this guy by the name of Joshua who watched Moses part the Red Sea. Who watched Moses call down manna to come down and feed millions of people. Who watched Moses do things that were incredible. And guess what? Moses died. Now it's Joshua's turn. Now, see, it's all right to be able to encourage other people. Hey, man, you know, you're doing good, man. Keep doing it. You know what I'm saying? And you watch them doing it, man, and they're doing good. All of a sudden, the baton gets passed from them to you. Now it's your time. Now it's you have to step into it. It's okay to stand on the sideline and cheer and all that good stuff. But then when God says, okay, pick up the mantle. Now you walk across the tight road. Now you got to walk on water. Now you got to part the Red Sea. Now it's a little different, isn't it? That's what was happening to Joshua. And Joshua, the book was written, opened up by saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now you, Joshua. Now let me say this to you. Your past life is dead. You got to step into something now. It's time. And you know it. You know it. It's time. And then he says to Joshua, he says, look, man, uh, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now, understand, we're setting this up to go back to verse 3, 4, and 5. And here, here, yeah. But I want you to understand what he did with Joshua. Because what he did with Joshua, he's doing to you. Now, 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 now do, do, I want you to understand something, okay? Because it looked like I'm getting hung up here, but I'm not. There's, there's a thought you got to take with you. If you want to know who you are, you need to read the book of Ephesians. You know why you need to read it? Because sometimes God will address you as a chosen one. Sometimes God will address you, ladies and gentlemen, as family. And sometimes God will address you as a church. And sometimes God will address you as a team. And then there's times where God will address you as a bride. But then there's times where he will address you as an army. And that's how he's addressing Joshua. He's a soldier. Don't you think it's time for America to stand up and say, that's enough, Isis, that's enough. Got to take them out. And sometimes God tells you to tell sin, that's enough. God ain't asked you to manage it. Get rid of it. He didn't ask you to think like that. Stop thinking like that. The weapons of your warfare are divinely powerful for bringing down strongholds. Strongholds are thinking. And it's bad thinking. You know what they call it in the Bible? Thinking, thinking. Don't think that way. So he says, look here. 
He says, I'll be with you and I will not fail you or forsake you. God is saying, I won't fail you. You may fail yourself, but I won't fail you. You may forsake yourself, but I won't forsake you. And then he says this three times in these verses. He says, be strong and be courageous. He's telling that to Joshua. You know why? Because they're getting ready to go battle 32 kings. They're getting ready to take the promised land. It would be nice for God just to give you something, and it's nice. The birds are singing. We're sipping iced tea. We're on Miami Beach. No resistance at all. Life does not work like that. And you would like to have it on a silver platter. But if he gives it to you on a silver platter, you learn nothing. Now, it just don't mean you go look for trouble. Come on, come on. But trouble's going to come at you because you're a believer. You know, warfare is going to come simply because you love Jesus. It's going to come. Don't go looking for it. You know, I should tell people in our, in our, in our, in our, in our marriage seminars that I do before, before we, we marry people and, you know, I, I told people about Vic and I, you know, we, we come from different backgrounds. I'm black, she's white. And he said, oh, you're going to have problems. I said, no, I'm going to have problems because she's a woman, I'm a man. <laughs> Ain't got nothing to do with our color. And we don't go looking for problems, but they come. They come and just and just embrace it. Because he said, look here, but, 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 but no one is going to come, Joshua, as you conquer these 32 kings. Be strong. Be courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I have sworn to their fathers to give them. Next verse, we get people going. Verse 7. Only, once again, be strong. I told you people, my wife says something about three times. I know she's trying to get my attention. It says, only be strong, and then be what? Very courageous. Uh, be careful to do according to the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. And do not watch this. Do not turn to the right. Do not turn to the left, because success means going straight ahead. Church, are you hearing this at all? Success means going straight ahead. Don't be distracted. Keep going, okay? So that you may have success wherever you go. He didn't just say have success in church on Sunday mornings. He said have success in the morning when you get up. You have success all the time. And then watch watch the next verse here, verse 8. And then he says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Why is that so important? Because it's the playbook of life. Now let me tell you something. I don't know what company you work with. I don't know the things that you're doing in life, but I know this. Life will bring a test to you. But I told these, the total football players just a couple of weeks ago, even though life brings a test, man, it's an open book test. Because all you got to do is read it. And when you don't read it, what makes you think that you could even think about passing the test? When, 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 when Satan is throwing, uh, bazookas and you're walking around here in tennis whites, you ever tried to return a bazooka with, with a tennis rack? It don't work. Hey, we got to put on armor. We got to put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith. We got to stand in the word. We got to use our weapons. We got to pick up the sword. Pick it up. And, it, and, it, and, it, and it's the power tools of the kingdom. And let me tell you something, I got a lot of power tools in my garage. And it wouldn't be nice if I took that power tool and go, I can't do it unless I hook it into the source. Are you with me? You know why they're power tools? 
They make it easy to screw and unscrew things and to saw things up. I love it. My, my son does it all the time. Vip, 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 two minutes, it's done. Taking you by an hour. See, these power tools are powerful. They come right out of the world so that you may what? Be careful to do according to that which is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you'll have success. He's talking to him as a soldier. He's talking to him as an army. And he's saying that you guys were soldiers. We are an army. And that's how he's addressing you right now. And then he moves on in verse 9. Watch this because we get ready to go to verse, we'll go over to Haggai. It says, and have I not commanded you? Now that word command means this. This is not an option. Have I not commanded you to what? Be strong. Why? Because strength is in you. Be strong. Guess what? Be what? Courageous again. Three times. And then he says, and do not tremble and do not be dismayed. Do you know the greatest weapon of the devil is not his knowledge? The greatest weapon of the devil is not how he tries to trick you. You know, the greatest weapon of the devil is fear. That's how it works. But God say today, you can walk out of here with no fear. Because, see, we're going to ask you today to step into something. We're going to ask you to take it. Because I guarantee you before the day is gone, you're going to have to face something. And this week, you're going to have to say something to somebody. And God is saying, take courage. Take with power to gain something and grab something because you've got the force to do it. And when you take to courage, it is nothing more than you standing firm and going doing something because God has provided you the power to do it. Church, is anybody in here at all this morning? See, I mean, you just sit there going, oh, well, I'll take the power. I'll take the courage. Come on. Quit it. Quit it. You gotta stand up, man. You gotta take it. I'm telling you, you have not lost your courage. It is still in you. You haven't. You just gotta take it. And we're gonna give you an opportunity to do that today. We are. So now look. Okay. We, we, we've told you what the purpose is. We've given you some cross reference. Here's a guy by the name of Joshua who saw a lot of stuff. He had to take it. I can't take your courage for you. You got to take your own courage. Joshua now has to stand up, go into the promised land where there are giants and all kind of people and he goes and he conquers them. Why? Because he confronts the stuff head on. And that's what you got to do today. You got to confront it head on. Now, let's jump back into Haggai. Now, let's look at this three, four, and fifth verse. And let's look at the three things I told you. Remember when I said to you what the first purpose was? Now, watch this. I'm going to read it again. Godly people are developed and tested by opposition and must be more committed to courage and character than they are committed to comfort. And here are these three things you're going to see in this scripture. Let's read verse 3. Here it is. He says, now who is left among you? Who governor, who high priest, who remnant was left? Sixty-six some years ago, some of you were babies. Today, who among you who was left, who saw this magnificent temple, who saw this 
beautiful place and you who saw this thing in its appearance and you who saw this temple in all of its splendor and all of its glory is is it in did you see it in its form of glory now y'all know what glory days are you know look at it nobody in this room was like they were a few years ago not a single person things droop things fall off you know things swing you, you get up and you don't have the go you used to i mean it's not true now some of you young people you got all that energy just wait just wait you know no, no, I'm not the man I used to be. Come on, now. I can try to be. I mean, I get up, I get up in the morning and try to dress and put things on. I, you know what? I dress with my eyes closed, man. I just can't look at that no more. You know, see, y'all missed that one. See, see, cause what, what, what happened? Midnight Christ is jumping by right here to right there. You know, you got this tie around you. You got to get off every, every, every one of time. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and women, you know what I mean. See, y'all can hide it, men can't. See, we can't put on the power puff, man, we can't. So what I'm saying to you, nobody's like they used to be. Nobody. But what God is saying to these people, he's saying, I want you to look, I want you to recall what the magnificence and the splendor and the glory of this thing looked like. Now, I send you into exile because you got off track. I send you into exile because you stopped reading. I send you to the exile because you stopped praying. I send you to exile because you got away from me. And I want you to recall what it looked like when Solomon's temple was what it was and all his glory. And I want to ask you this question right now. And here's that question he's asking. He says, man, does it even see? He says, man, how does it see? How do you see it now? What's your assessment? Because when you look through your eyes, watch the last part here. Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? He said, man, if you got to stay in character, because I know this. I know as you begin to look at this, you begin to lay the foundation. You become discouraged. You become ashamed. All of a sudden, your energy is zapped out of you because this foundation looks nothing like the one that you had some 66 years ago. And people, there's times when we put our hands to the plow. God tells us something. We start out and all of a sudden something happens to us. The wind gets knocked out of us and that what we were going for don't look as glorious as we thought it was. Somebody promised you something. Somebody put something in you. You had hopes. You had dreams. You had all this stuff. All of a sudden, bam! Somebody violated you. Bam! You gave something to somebody that don't belong. Bam! All of a sudden, man, the wind gets taken out of you and God says, hey, now when you look from your eyes, how does it look? See, because you're not seeing it like I see. But when you look through your eyes, well, you're not, you're going to be discouraged. Alex talked about that last week. You're going to be discouraged when you look at it from God, from your eyes and not God's eyes. Let me tell you something. God sees you better than you see yourself. God sees you exactly like you're going to look when you get to heaven. Did you know that? He sees it. And that's how he wants you to live. And that's why he doesn't want you to get out of character. So he says, look, man, recall, look at history. Look at history and look now. And I want you to understand something. I want you to measure it. Can you recognize it? Because there's a present reality. 
And what he's saying is don't let people, don't let situations take away your courage because they are not the one who gave it to you. Therefore, they're not the ones who can take it away. Do you hear me, church? And what he's doing is he's bridging history and the presence today. Now, look at verse 4. He says, but now. I like that. See, but when the Bible gives buts, you got to understand what comes after the but. Now, some buts are small, some are big. Now, you stop it. Stop it. When he says, but, something's getting ready to happen. He says, but now, this moment, not next week, not tomorrow, he says now. He says, but now, take courage. He said, take this military term, and he says, take to capture and gain by force what? Courage to act on one's belief in spite of pain, in spite of fear, in character and conviction and confidence. And then God says what? He says, man, I declare this. Now, ladies and gentlemen, my mom declared all the time. Because mom, when she declares, she declares solemnly and she declared it, uh, uh, emphatically. Now, solemnly means it's dignified, it's serious. And emphatic means it expresses something that is forceful and clearly. And when my mom would say, Johnny Otis, this woman was getting ready to do something. Because she would call me by my middle name. See, everybody called me Johnny here. At home, they called me Otis. My mom called me Johnny Otis. I said, okay, something's getting ready to happen. And she was emphatic about it. She was solemn about it. Let me tell you something. God is not playing with you. God is not playing with you. He is declaring something. He said, I have declared it and I decree that I want you to take it. It's yours. I have declared it and I have decreed it that you've got courage. And the world can't take something from you that the world didn't give you. I gave it to you. Take it. And he says, Zerubbabel, you're a governor. Look like a governor. Act like a governor. Work like governor. Do what governors do. People, you are believers. You are Christians. You are a child of the kings. You are priests. You are kings. Act like it. Man, we got some people in here today. <laughs> Act like it. Because that's who you are. That's who you are. And then he moves on and he says something to this brother. He says, now the Lord declared, take courage also what? Uh, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak. Because he just told him in the verse 3, stay in character. Now he's telling him, be conviction driven. What are you? Zerubbabel, your governor. Have the convictions of a governor. Joshua, your high priest. You pray. You fast. You do the things that a high priest does. So he's telling him, be convicted by that high priest. And then he says, all the people who are remnant, you are children. I'm your father. You are heirs. Act like it. Walk like it. Talk like it. Smell like it. When people walk by you, they go, that woman smell like she's from the kingdom of God. That's what she smells like. And they see it. It's real. And then he makes this statement. He's still talking about being driven by conviction. Declares the Lord. Keep. And then he says this. And work. Keep working. Keep praying. Keep reading the Bible. Keep worshiping. Keep giving. Keep witnessing. Don't let these things that hit you distract you. Don't do that. They're mere speed bumps. 
Because it's trying to take you out of character. It's trying to stop you from being convicted. And all it what it's doing is trying to bring its attention to itself. God says, stop that down. I want you to say, and then he says, keep working. You know what? And there's something to sweat equity. See, like, you, can, you, you just need to get used to this. You just don't go looking for warfare. For people, it'll come. It's just going to come. But, 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 but God is very graciously saying to you, when he comes, get out the sword. When he comes, face it head on. And guess what? Keep working, man. Let the sweat equity pay the dividends it's supposed to pay. Let, 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 let it do that. Understand what war is. <laughs> don't, 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 don't be afraid. Because at some point you're going to have to declare war on sin. You are. Jesus did. He declared war on it, man. It won't live here no more. Won't live in my house. Won't live in my body. Won't live in my mind. No. Because I am free from the power, penalty, and persecution of sin. Because he has conquered death. And the only thing that sin can bring is death. Jesus conquered that. So sin, where is your sin? Death, where is your power? It's gone. It's swallowed up in victory. That's who you are. Keep working. Keep working. And then he moves on, and I like this part, because he gives you the third thing. Just before we read verse 5, here's what he says. And he says, I am. I like the word. I am that I am. I am with you. That means, governor. That means, priest. That means, remnant. You are going to be accompanied by me. I will be your host. All of creation looks at me. And guess what? I'm the Lord of hosts. Therefore, I am with you. And if I'm with you, who can be against you? Now, I told the last service, look here. You know, I was uh, the youngest of six brothers. And there were times where I just go fake at people because I know if they hit me, they got to hit six guys. I just would twitch at them. Dare you. You know what I'm saying? Well, let me tell you something, man. The devil hits you. God's got him. Because if he hits you, then he's got to deal with God. See, that's what you got to understand, man. Yeah, I told some people the other day I was in a street fight. In fact, I was actually in a fight in my junior high school. And then I remember, because I'm getting ready to close this thing out. I got one more scripture. You just hang on. But this, this example is real important. God just dropped this into my spirit. And I remember going to the P office. It was right by the road. And there was a fence around the school. And I walked in the P office. And my brother Floyd, we call him Head because he ate so much. And he came in staggering, man. I was in the P office. And I said, man, what's wrong with you? He said, I'm just trying to find something to hit somebody with a tire iron. Because some guys had just jumped him. And they fled. And I felt bad because when we went outside to try to find the guys, they were gone. And let me tell you something. I was not worried about Floyd because his jaw swelled up in about five hours. I was worried about what my brothers was going to do when they saw it. The next day, we went to the junior high school. The next day at lunch, I had a little brother. His name was Clinton Jr. He just got out of the Navy. And the brother was like serious. He says, where is he? The other brothers came and we turned out the cafeteria that day. And I said, man, I'm sorry. Because the boy that hit him was 6'5". By the time Bubsy got through with him, he was 3'4". 
Hit him eight times before he could even see anything. And that was just that power, man, because look, you hit my brother. Understand, when you get hit, they hit God, and God hits back. And that's why he said, I'm with you. <laughs> no matter where you go, the grocery store, it doesn't make any difference. Anybody mess with you, they mess with me. Now, God ain't asked you to go out and puff your chest out and go, hey, mess with me, you go in, you know, God's going to get you. He's not telling you that. But there's some people who just don't like you because you're you. And the devil definitely don't like you because all he wants to do is kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says, I came that you may have life. And life more abundant. Is there anybody in this room at all? Is there anybody in this room? Did y'all just hear that? Y'all hear abundant life? Did you hear that? <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. But anytime there's a place where there's life, man, that's where I'm going. Now, here's the last piece of this. We're going to have our worship team come up in just a second. I just got to get through this last part. Because one of our guys in leadership the other day back says something. Chapter and, and, and verse 5 is really for you today. Beck, Pastor Beck said this. He said, man, the thief of courage is comfort. Think about it. I want to be comfortable, which means I don't want to change, which means I don't want to be interrupted. I want everything to go smooth. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Wouldn't it be nice? And I told it to the football team the other day. Remember when you listen to those radios or the TVs and you get this little thing come across the screen. And you hear these little words come across. Well, this is just the national broadcasting system. They want you to know that in case of a hurricane or floods or whatever, this is just a warning to let you know. Now, isn't it strange that they don't do that before that stuff happens? I've never heard one of those. But let me tell you something about life. Life don't always have warning systems. You just have to go through it. God don't always warn you that somebody's getting ready to knock you upside the head. He just doesn't. And so watch verse 5 here and the the importance of it. See, verse 5 says, know where your confidence comes from. Here it is. As for the promise, that's in Exodus 19, 3 through 6, I declared to you in a promise when I took you out of Egypt, I guaranteed you something. I want y'all to understand something, man, that God has never, ever broken a promise anywhere in the history of mankind. He says, as for the promise which I made, I made this promise because I swear by myself, I swear to myself, I swear by two things that are unshakable and unmovable. Hebrews 6, 13 to 19. He says this, which I made you when you came out of Egypt. I delivered you. Man, I grew you up. I parted the Red Sea for you. I put you in the wilderness. The manna came down. You had a cloud over your head in the daytime. You had a cloud fire by night. I did all of that for you. And if I promise you that and bring in quail so you can eat when you ain't got no meat, asking Moses to hit a rock, all of a sudden the water comes down and feeds, uh, you know, and, and, and water some 2.5 million people. What kind of God do you think I am? Quit making me small. Stop it. I'm a big God. <laughs> 
And he says, man, I was with you then. I am with you now. Here's how we close this. Here's how we close this. Then he gives you the answer. My spirit. Not by my power. Not by your power. Not by your might. But by my spirit. The third person of the Godhead. We're talking about God is with you. And he is abiding with you. He's continuing with you. He will not fade away. He will not somehow go away. He's enduring. He's lasting. He's eternal. He'll give you an eternal perspective. And he says my spirit is abiding in you and in your midst. That means I'm in your cul-de-sac. I'm in your heart. I'm in your life and then he says this I say to you don't fear he commands this prohibition commands it don't fear choose not to allow these things to make you phobiastic fight off the notion fight off the thinking fight off that attitude that wants to suck you back in Because courage will find a way if you let it. Somebody ask the worship team to come on back up here. And we're getting ready to take up our offering. Now the beauty of this day is this. You've had worship. The spirit of the living God is among us. He is. He's going to bring favor and vengeance. You've just heard the word. Haggai 2. Three, four, and five. You've heard Joshua one, five through nine. You know what's left to do today? It's to respond. Now I'm going to say this to you. You need today to respond. God is asking you to take it right now. That's what he's asking you to do. He's saying, don't sit, take it. It's yours to have. And there's something that you have to confront. And you got to take it. And he's saying, you got the ability to do it. It is in you. It is laying dormant. It's not like you don't have courage. But there are some things in your life that you don't have courage against. And it's time to take that up today before you walk out of here. He's talking to you. He's talking to you. It's time to take it. Take it. And the only way you're going to take it is to respond. Not tomorrow. Not an hour from now. Right now. And we're going to give you an opportunity after we stand to have you come up front. And we're going to pray for you. And we're going to pray over you. Ain't no bells and whistles going to go off. You're not going to be flying around the room like some kind of whatever. That ain't going to happen. But your act of obedience, just like he told Joshua, be obedient. Your act of courage of getting up and coming to the front is you meeting God where he is. And you know you need to do it. And we're going to give you an opportunity to do it. We're going to take up our offering. We're going to ask you to come forward. And then we're going to dismiss.